We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. All right, welcome on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Zach Gardner, better yet, as he goes by on Twitter, All-22 Attic, the All-22 Game Film Attic. I stumbled into Zach's work this draft season, actually, and I was immediately impressed. One of the things that I look for when finding new followers whose content matters to me, at least during draft season, are analysts who actually show their work, and Zach does an incredible job of doing just that. Other analysts have a grand have these grandier opinions on players, uh, but sometimes I find it hard to believe or tell if they're actually basing that on any actual tape analysis or they're just kind of regurgitating things that they read. That's not the case with Zach. So he's constantly putting out film breakdowns on his Twitter account daily, and I'm saying literally daily. So if you do enjoy what we do here at Big Blue Banter on the All-22 side, especially during the season, the All-22 breakdowns, of each Giants game, I would suggest you immediately follow Zach after listening to this podcast. So, Zach, why don't you get us started by telling the listeners where they can find all your work, where they can follow you, and how you got started doing this kind of analysis. So, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter. where I put most of my stuff. It's all22 underscore addict. It's pretty easy to find. You'll see my videos retweeted sometimes. But if you guys follow me, don't. I don't care. It's just fun to talk football with you guys, as always. Um, but yeah, I'm also going to be writing for Crocker Report here soon, which will be fun. I just got to actually sit down and write the articles. But um, And then I also have a podcast that I do with a buddy of mine um, called Wider Hashes, where we talk about college football mostly during the college season, and then we talk about draft and leading up to that going into the draft. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, so how I got into this, I'm a former player, played at the D3 level, wasn't very good, um, kind of just a fact of the matter here. Um, was playing for a while, and then I decided to bust a coverage, cover two, stayed on the hash too long, and busted it. He got a he got a fade right in the honey hole, and I tried to chase after it, dove, landed on my shoulder, tore every ligament in my right shoulder, 
pretty much. So then that was when I was like, all right, I kind of losing love of, of playing the game. So I kind of stopped playing there, decided I'm going to try to focus on learning the game more and maybe get into coaching or just football analysis, which is where I've really found a nice little niche that I'm really enjoying. And yeah, that's when I started, decided to cover first. It was the XFL and AAF because I wanted to see if I could like become kind of a guy for those, but they all died. So I was like, you know, what's pretty stable the NFL draft. I'll get into that. It's been fun so far, so maybe I'll stick with it. Maybe I won't. We'll see. But I just like talking football and watching film. Zach, what school did you go to? I went to George Fox University. It's over here on the West Coast. It's a little D3 school. Um, really great place. Um, really good school. I went for the football. Been staying for the school now, which is really fun. But um, great coaches and all that. I just I wasn't very good, so don't try to look up my film. Please don't. I don't want to. I don't ever want to see it again. So. <laughs> awesome man. So t- on today's show, for those listening, we're going to break down day three NFL draft prospects who could fit what the Giants want to do, what they need to do, and just intriguing value plays who could ultimately end up hearing their names called by the Giants on day three or potentially the back end of day two if the Giants move back into that range. So, Zach, I want to start with a position that's near and dear to most Giants fans' hearts, and that's wide receiver. This is also a position I personally feel has a lot of talent and potential sleepers available. And to be honest, that's true about most classes. And this one's no different. I want to start with a player you highlighted a little bit earlier in the year. I think this is the first film breakdown of yours I saw on Twitter. And it's a player who's going to likely be my favorite day three target. And I do think he will go on day three. I don't think he'll move into day two, but it's possible. And that's Josh Palmer, a Tennessee wide receiver. So let's dive into him first. Yeah, totally. So Josh Palmer from Tennessee, he's a right around, I believe, six foot, might be a little closer to six one. Around 200 pounds. Um, he ran at like a 4.540. I think he plays a little bit faster than that, but not a whole lot. Probably at 4.5 to 4.45 range. Really like his game overall. Great frame. Really great at ball tracking. One of my favorite traits of his is that he tracks the ball so smoothly. Um, he accelerates really well. Strong hands. He's got a little bit of yak potential, but that's not really his game. And then he's always attacking vertically. I think he's got the right mindset when running routes. And when I talk about that, I get kind of meta with route running overall, but he really loves to attack leverage and attack space. And while he's not the cleanest, most technically sound route runner just yet, he could use a little bit of work there. He's a little bit raw technically, but the mindset is there to attack leverage, attack space and make and make himself get open. And once he gets that technical side down, which I think will happen with time, if he gets with the right coaches, He's going to be really, really good route runner, and he could develop into a really nice vertical threat. That's probably a wide receiver to something. Probably one of my favorite wide receivers in the draft. I think if I was a GM, obviously I'm not, but I'd be willing to take a shot on him probably late day two, round three. That's where I gave him my grade. And yeah, he's just one of my favorite guys in this draft. And if the Giants call his name, I'll probably look into getting a jersey because I just really enjoy his game. Love to hear that. Love to hear that, Zach. I want to do a touch on another vertical threat type of receiver, somebody who's had injury issues in the past, and that's Oklahoma State's Tylan Wallace. What was your takeaways after watching some of his film? So Tylan Wallace, this is a little bit, I'm not the biggest fan of his game, and it's not anything to do with his um, very good contested catch situation. That's the name of his game. Good ball tracker, really strong hands. I just don't think he really has that twitch that I like to see from my receivers in his route running and in his press release, I think he really struggled when you got against more physical guys, getting him off of his chest and getting into his route. 
And while he's still very good, I think he's probably going to be like a fourth round pick somewhere in there. That's where I graded him. I'm pretty sure. But overall, I just wasn't as high as I see some others giving him second round grade just because I don't really see the twitch and like the long speed. And then I don't see the um, don't see the like ability to fight hands very well on his tape to get out of press situations. I think he'll struggle with that a little bit early on in his career. And the injury factor as well there. That was Tylon Wallace, Oklahoma State wide receiver. Before that, we were talking with Zach about Josh Palmer, Tennessee wide receiver. Zach, why don't you take us through some other receivers you see as potential nice targets for the Giants on day three and give a little pause in between each one so maybe Nick or I can interject with anything we've you know come across while studying these players. Oh, yeah, totally. So there's a couple of day three guys that I like and don't like, but they're probably going to be there on day three. Jamon Osmond, Texas A&M, really smooth route runner, definitely not a vertical threat. He's going to be a guy that's going to slot in as like a wide receiver three or four that you put in your four wide receiver sets on like third and seven, third and ten. That will get you ten yards with pretty solid route running, good feet, head fakes, strong hands, but it's not really going to threaten vertically for you. So he's pretty fun. One of my favorite guys. He's from Texas A&M, Jamon Osbin sat 2020 out. If you really care that much about that, I don't really, I don't really personally, but some people do. There's Shy Smith, South Carolina, one of my favorite guys in the draft. Um, I think he's probably going to give a go like round four or five um, slot guy mainly. He's definitely got the frame of a slot guy. He's pretty explosive, which I like. He ran like a low four four forty, which is what you want from your slot guys. I comped him to Jameson Crowder. Jets, if you're familiar with the Jets, I, he's kind of that role I see slot guy. He can threaten vertically. He's got enough juice to be really good in yak situations. One of my favorite slot guys in the draft. Yeah, Shai Smith was uh, pretty impressive. I know down in Mobile at the Reese's Senior Bowl, but there were quite a few pretty impressive slot type of receivers like Dwayne Eskridge and also Kate, uh, the kid from South Dakota State, Kate Johnson as well. I don't know if you've watched any of him. I haven't watched the South Dakota State guy or Dwayne Eskridge, but I've heard really good things about him. I know Dwayne Eskridge is a really, really fast vertical threat kind of guy. And I know if I watch him, I'll probably end up liking him because I really love those fast vertical threat kind of guys. They're, it's my favorite type of receiver to watch, but I haven't watched them just yet. But Shai Smith's one of my favorite guys in the draft from South Carolina for sure. And then the next guy, another one I want to talk about really quick, um, Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa. Yeah, I know he's kind of been he's kind of been the sleeper in quotation marks darling of draft Twitter for most of this process because he was in a really bad situation in Iowa. I've only put on one game of his film because that's all I really have of all 22. But overall, just really, really smooth mover um, attacks vertically really well. I think that his route running needs some work overall. It's not he was just didn't run a lot of routes in Iowa, so he's going to have less reps than some of these other guys. But Good ball tracking, um, just a very, very fun receiver prospect that I know a lot of guys are going to want to grab and mold into what they want. And he also has a lot of special teams um, reps, which you love to see from your day five, day three guys, round five, round six, somewhere in there that you're going to end up picking so they can actually contribute early instead of just being receivers that you put on the bench. So Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa is another guy I like. Is there any of the other guys that you want me to touch on or do you want to move on here? Well, I was going to say first, before we even do any of that, I really mm-hmm. love that you brought up Amir Smith-Marset. As somebody who graduated Wisconsin and watches disgusting amount of Big Ten football during yeah. my Saturdays, I think this is spot on. I, I mean, I said earlier that Josh Palmer will probably be my favorite day three guy. 
that you can target. So I think Josh Palmer can ultimately be a little bit more than what maybe Smith Marset can be. But at the same time, having seen Smith Marset, I think, I think even though they're not similar players, I think the situation could be similar to what we saw from Donovan Peoples-Jones last year, falling all the way to round six because he played in that awful Michigan system with a terrible passing game, and then ultimately becoming a great value for the Browns. And obviously that's not locked in stone, but he looked excellent for a rookie, especially a six-round rookie. And I think Smith-Marset will be someone who also falls kind of deeper into day three and just had, they're not similar players, but just can benefit from a different situation than what he had at Iowa. Oh yeah, definitely. I can definitely see that working very well for him because he's just, like I said, really fun, really sudden mover, really good snap in his hips. It's just the technical things that he needs to work on that you get with more reps. And like I said, with more reps, he gets better and better. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a really good value. He's got a little bit inside out versatility, which I like in my in your like late day three receivers, because that gives him more chances to get on the field. And really, he's he's one of those guys. I, I hate this saying most of the time, but he's one of those guys. You look at what he can do and not what he can't do. Because you're just trying to find guys in those late days where they have traits that you want to grab onto and hold onto and see what they turn into. Absolutely. And did you get a chance to watch any Austin Watkins from UAB? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a really fun one. Um, he's I've had some people say he's in the top 100. I wouldn't go that far, but he's a really fun player. Um, really, really urgent and nuanced route running. He's got some good snap in his hips when he's moving laterally. Really, really great ball tracking, strong hands. He's a pretty good athlete. I wouldn't say he's anything like out of this world. Like Sammy Watkins is, I believe it's his cousin, was, but he's a fluid mover and he really understands how to attack leverage. I think that his long speed could leaves a little bit to be desired. He's probably like a four five to four five five guy, which when you look at the numbers, it doesn't seem that big of a difference. But in the NFL, where every like second counts, it does matter a little bit more. And I think he doesn't have a ton of experience versus press, which is something he's gonna have to work on. So early he'll be like a big slot, but later he can move into that, excuse me, Z or like X kind of role. But right now he's probably more of a slot movement Z kind of guy, which teams need. But you want to see him develop and become a better at the line of scrimmage and have him develop there. Absolutely. I actually ended up watching his tape back in January, and I was really intrigued by just like you just articulated the nuance in his ability to run routes, but I didn't see an elite type athlete, but I still think it's an interesting player that can possibly be found on day three. And I didn't get a chance to watch this next guy, but have you watched, uh, it's going to be an interesting pronunciation right here from Illinois. Josh and matter baby. Yeah. I've, I watched a little bit of his tape before the season started. So I watched some of his 2019 stuff. There was a lot of traits to really love, but you definitely saw how raw he was. I've not watched his 2020 stuff. But I've heard it's kind of the same story. I mean, it's really tough to prepare for a season in the COVID, like in that COVID season. It's really tough to prepare and develop your game a whole lot when you're not working with a team. You're not getting those live reps that you really like. But I mean, if you want a traits guy, he's your man because he ran really well for his size. His jumping numbers were out of the out of this world. I've done a 46 and a half inch vertical. I couldn't even imagine how that's it's absurd to put it put it lightly. Um, but really good. He attacks the ball very well from what I saw. And the traits are definitely really, really intriguing. So if there's, if there's a guy you want to take your shot on that you think can develop into a physical X down the field threat, he's your guy to take a pick, take a shot on in day three of the draft. And maybe he's and, more of an app comparison, not to cut you off, but maybe he's no, more you're of good. 
comparison for the Donovan Peoples-Jones situation. They're not the same athlete, but I do remember watching him against Wisconsin this season, and he was probably the receiver who gave Wild Goose the most trouble before Wild Goose opted out of the season, which was surprising. And obviously, whoever was playing, I think it was Brandon Peters, was playing quarterback for Illinois at the time, and he was locking onto him. And just pretty much every passing play was to him. But like you said, he was creating better separation than I saw versus Wild Goose in most of the last few games that Wild Goose played with Wisconsin. And he's, a, in my opinion, going to be a good corner in the NFL at some point. So I definitely think that's an intriguing one as well. Yeah. And then one other receiver I want to touch on, because you brought up um, Austin Watkins, who I said was an urgent and nuanced route runner. But if you want a really urgent guy, one of my favorite route runners in this class Cornell Powell was a really urgent route runner. And when I say that, I mean, like, he's not super quick. He's not super fast. That's not his game. But every movement you buy because it just looks real. He's that urgent with his movement, that sudden with his movements, that he really sells everything. One of the better salesmen in this class from a, route, from a wide receiver standpoint. I remember him absolutely torching, um, what's his name from Ohio State, the corner that shouldn't be a corner. And I don't know how, how good he is, how good he's going to be in the NFL. But he actually torched that kid from Ohio State, and just all season long, he was putting on a clinic just as a route runner. And I, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to route running and all that stuff. So Cornell Powell from Clemson is just one of my guys this year that I'm like, hey, you pick him in the fifth, you're going to wide receiver three for 10 years. I comped him to Jason Avant from the Eagles. Um, just a very, very good player that may not have the highest upside, but just really, really good. Will have a career for a long time in the NFL just because of how he plays the game. No doubt. Before we move past wide receivers, let's recap a little bit there. Zach's favorite target for the Giants potentially on day three would be Josh Palmer, also my favorite target, most likely from Tennessee. If you haven't got a chance to watch him yet, check him out or search Zach on Twitter and put his name in the semicolon Josh Palmer and you'll find some really good stuff there. We also talked about Amir Smith-Marset from Iowa as a definite potential sleeper for the Giants. We talked about Cornell Powell from Clemson. We talked about Austin Watkins. Um, why am I blanking on where Watt from UAB? We talked about Daz Newsom from UNC. We talked about a few players there, so keep those guys in mind for the Giants. Let's turn the page now, now though, to the interior offensive line. I would argue the Giants. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You should still consider Offensive tackle in need because they have an aging veteran in Nate Solder, a late third round pick in Matt Parrott, who everybody's so excited about, and I am too, but let's not get too excited about a 97th overall pick. Um, there's no lock there. 
And then outside of Andrew Thomas, that's it. So I think there's no one who can sit here and say the interior offensive line is not a need, though. So I want to focus there with you, Zach. I want you to start with Stanford center, Drew Dahlman, because I recently saw you breaking down on Twitter. I think you sold me on him. It was love at first sight for me. He's an He's got an athletic profile plus, comes from that Stanford program where I do think they do a heck of a job coaching the line. So I wanted you to break him down and talk about where you think he might go. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So Drew Dahlman, I was surprised with how much I liked him. Um, one of the things I said about him was he's like the store brand version of Creed Humphrey, which is not a bad thing. Yeah, it's just that the, yeah. <laughs> like Creed Humphrey is really good overall, but like the one of the few concerns I have for him is this play strength, right? It wasn't like this huge overarching thing with Creed Humphrey, but it was like, hey, just beware. Buyers beware. Like this might be an issue in the NFL. I don't think it'll be a huge one, but with Drew Dahlman, it was already an issue in college. So it's like, it's already kind of worse is his play strength overall. But I mean, just as a player, Drew Dahlman, very smart, good eyes. He's great at positioning himself in the run game, cons- consistently puts himself between a defender and the ball carrier. Um, hand placement is good. He's a really good athlete. You see that when he starts moving in space as a center, you don't get asked to do it as much. But when he starts moving in space, you see that good athleticism um, experience. He's a lot of snaps. He's been starter for three years. Um, really great effort. He's got really good upper body strength, which you see with those 33 bench press reps. And then just he's constantly under control. He's one of my favorite guys in this class just right now from the interior offensive line spot. I gave him a third round grade. He's probably going to fall to day three, though, I think, just because he's not getting as much hype. And there's centers, not a really valuable position comparatively to the other offensive line positions. People don't pick guys as high there. So. I think you could see him fall to day three, which would be great for the Giants because I think he would fit good there. I think another one would be like any wide zone kind of team because I think he moves really well and positions himself really well. I wouldn't ask him to drive a ton of guys. I don't think his lower body strength is that great. And so like the Ravens would be out of there. And just overall, his anchor and pass pro isn't great. And he's a little bit passive at times. So something he could work on is just his aggressiveness overall and pass pro. But really good player, really fun. I one of my favorite guys is Drew Dahlman. Like he just when I watched his tape, I just kept coming away like, this kid's good. This kid's good. Just constantly at play after play. That's all I was saying. So that's when I know I'm like, yeah, this guy. I like this guy a lot. Yeah, and that's Drew Dahlman, interior offensive line from Stanford. He's a he's a really fun player. So I'm excited to see him. Some of these other guys. I know we're gonna get into it a little bit here for the interior offensive line. Another guy I really like is Lasitis Smith from um, Virginia Tech. Played next to Christian Derrissaw, probably going to be a first-round pick for Christian Derrissaw. But Lasitis Smith, probably a day-three guy. I didn't 
get all the way through this tape for a final eval. I watched two games here, two games of them. And overall, decent mover. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's got a lot of power, a lot of drive in his legs. And he just, he attacks and attacks and attacks. This guy's got some nasty in him. He constantly puts guys in the ground. And he's a guy you want driving your run game from the guard spot. I think his foot speed is a little bit slow. I'll say the same thing about the next guy, but we talk about as well. But overall, very good player, powerful, great in the run game, moves very well for the run game when he was moving laterally. I think he takes bad angles moving up to the second level. He's probably a guy you're not going to want to pull a ton. But when he meets a guy, he's powerful and he pushes them off their spot really well, which is really what you want to see from your guards. So, like I said, probably a day three guy, Lasida Smith from Virginia Tech, but a very good value at day three. I think he'd be a really good guard or at least rotational interior offensive lineman in the NFL. That's interesting. And uh, I know David Moore was also down at the Reese's Senior Bowl. What did you feel about the Grambling product? David Moore, um, really powerful guy, really stocky. Um, liked him a lot. I didn't get a ton of his games. I've only watched one because his, his games are tough to find because it's Grambling. True. But, um, and like for some reason, I just hate watching anything that's not all 22 i'm kind of a snob when it comes to that because i feel like i just can't learn as much i know it's probably limits the amount of guys i get to watch but very good guy very good prospect he, sh- he did really well at the senior bowl actually especially coming from grambling just really stocky great base doesn't get moved very often great anchor and he plays with really good leverage overall and just he's a guy like you take a shot on i know the level of competition is going to be kind of a knock on him generally because he came from grambling but just a really fun prospect guy that you can bet on for day three. Just a guy you take a shot on to try to fix up the interior of your offensive line. If you want a little bit of nasty, a little bit of um, a little bit of physicality in there. I get that, man. Hey, did you get a chance to watch any Ben Cleveland? And I know it's kind of like, I don't know if he's going to fall to day three, to be honest. But he's a player that a lot of people kind of are talking about. Did you get a chance to watch any uh, Georgia offense? I have not watched Georgia offense and personally I'm kind of happy about it, but um, <laughs> yeah, I actually do need to get hit to him. Um, that in, this interior offensive line class is really good actually from what I've seen, but I have not watched Ben Cleveland or I see another guy you wrote down was Jimmy Morrison and I've heard a lot of good things about that, Jimmy Morrison, but I just haven't watched him yet. So that'll be another guy I need to get to here throughout the process. Well, why don't we dive into Sidarius Hutchinson then from South Carolina because we talked Lasita Smith from Virginia Tech, guy who's got power, may not be the best puller. We talked talked Drew Dalman, a player from Stanford, interior guy who may not have the best play strength, but really overall maybe one of the best values in this class. And then David Moore, a nasty, nasty player from Grambling who might actually be someone I think Dave Gettleman could be really interested in, especially – he was ultimately talked about well, well of at the senior bowl. So let's get into Hutchinson a little bit from South Carolina. So Hutchinson, really interesting player. Let me pull up my notes for him really quick. Got to pull, got to flip to him here. Um, he's got really good power. I've noticed that he's constantly, he never really loses his position. Good anchor. He's actually surprisingly a good puller. He's got slow feet, but he has good footwork on his poles, which kind of makes up for that. His um, 40 time was actually pretty good. Higher percentile. He didn't do his, um, he didn't do his um, three cone or what do you, what's the other one? I can't remember. Whatever the eye drill. And I think that's kind of speaks to some concerns about his lateral agility. I don't think he's a great side to side mover. If you're asking a guy to go him to go straight, he's pretty good. He's got those longer strides for a big guy that pick up speed. But overall, his um, his burst like side to side and laterally isn't great. But he's powerful. He shows signs of that burst and explosion. You see it from time to time. But 
I didn't like him as much as Lasida Smith and um, Drew Dahlman. I think his hand fighting was and pass pro. He had decent eyes. And then the slow feet really got me because I like to have quicker feet for my interior linemen. And then he can get overextended at times. So like he'll lean into guys or he'll lean into his punch and that'll cause him to get overextended. And that can be kind of an issue moving on to the next level when you're against quicker and more intentional hand fighting guys, I think. Okay, now let's go on to a different position. Let's tackle the edge position, because honestly, I think as per usual, at least for me, this edge class really really fails to excite me, to be completely honest, Mm -hmm. specifically outside of the top group. But having said that, Patrick Graham, he runs a unique system with the Giants, and I think there should be some value in upside plays on day three that might specifically appeal to the Giants and not a lot of other teams who run systems that are very different than what the Giants run. So dive into some of those edges that you think and that you've highlighted that could be potential value plays for the Giants on day three. So one I want to bring up is Bradley William King from Baylor. He's actually a pretty fun prospect. Um, he's got he's really good in run defense. He's got violent hands. He keeps working, good balance. He's lacks a bit of play strength, which isn't which is kind of concerning. I think it's his weight a little bit and just overall strength in his arms. But he's a really good athlete. He shows burst and athleticism. You can see him when he's chasing guys down. He really opens it up. And you can see that turnover in his legs and how well he moves. Um, He's got, good, like I said, good effort. He's got intentional hands, which is really good from what I like to see from a pass rusher. Because it means you're looking to where you place your hands. You're putting your hands in the right spot and getting hands off of you. Um, He showcases good speed to power on his tape. But his bend is a little bit questionable. And then overall, just a lack of variety in his pass rush kit, his pass rush moves is kind of concerning. It's just what Baylor did with him overall, I'm going to get into a little little bit here, is they didn't really use him as a true edge rusher, which I don't think the Giants would either, which is why I think it'd be an interesting fit there. But they moved him around. You'd see him work as a six tech right outside the tackle. You'd see him work inside the tackle. I think what would be called a five tech. I kind of get these mixed up. But yeah, it would be a five tech on the inside of the tackle there. You'd see him line up as an upstanding up edge. He was moved really all over the line. Sometimes he'd be on the weak side. Sometimes he'd be on the strong side. So he's a guy that was used in a lot of different ways. And I think that could appeal to the Giants as well, who like a little bit of versatility from their edges overall. But I would like to see him put on a little more play strength because that would help him against the run. Because while I think he has good technique against the run, I think he's play strength. He'll make him lose sometimes. And then I think as a pass rusher, just working on that bend would be really nice. And that the versatility in his pass rush kit because he showcases good moves and he's got good athleticism. But I think the versatility and like the the wide, the amount of moves he has really limits him as a pass rusher. Okay, so let's go with another pass rusher that I know you want to talk about who's also linked to Matt Rule, and that's Quincy Rocher from the University of Miami who transferred from the Temple Owls. What do you like about Quincy Rocher? I know he's in a very, I guess you could say, popular edge rush room with Jalen Phillips and Gregory Rousseau, but there could be some value here with Roche in the third day of the NFL draft. Oh, definitely. I think what you get with Roche is you get a very technically sound player. I think he's technically sound against the run while his play strength, like William Bradley King, is lacking a bit. I think it's a little bit worse than William Bradley King's, but against as a pass rusher, just intentional hand placement, like very intentional, like some of the best in the class. 
very active hands. He's got a wide array of outside moves, consistently using different moves to set up defenders, which I really like. He's got pretty good bend, actually, which surprised me. He has a decent first step. He's a decent athlete. I think that's kind of his biggest knock on his pass rushing game. Is he just he's not that great of an athlete, so it's gonna con- it's gonna hurt him at the next level and limit his ceiling overall. Um, and then, like I said, play strength versus the run is not great. Um, anchor and power at the point of attack when he's against the run just limits him. He can get pushed around and bullied a bit. I saw him get bullied by tight ends a couple times, which is not what you want to see from your defensive ends. And then just a lack of very of inside moves concerning lack of suddenness overall. So while I think he can, if if he hits his ceiling, it's probably an eight sack a season kind of guy. But at, at the very least, you get a situational pass rushing and throwing on third downs put him against a, a little bit slower tackle and his hand, his hand fighting and stuff will get him sacks because he's very technically sound in his pass rushing. So like DL coaches are going to be like, yeah, I want this guy just because he's very technically sound. He already knows what he's doing as a pass rusher. Yeah. That was a, a lot of what led the giants to O'Shane is imminent a couple drafts ago. They liked that. He was very technically sound they liked that. He was good with his hands. He already had a variety of pass rush moves. Ultimately, for me, I think that makes those those type of prospects are decent fits for this specific system the Giants are running now with Patrick Graham. I just typically like to gamble a little bit more on day three edges. I like to go for the guys with more athletic upside, with more suddenness, with more – because I just think ultimately some of these guys, you will sometimes get a situation where, yeah, you can get a situational pass rusher who can get six to eight maybe cleanup sacks at best. But there are times where these guys just don't translate at all, in my opinion, because the athleticism jump is just too great from one level to the next. So I don't know. For me, ultimately, I'm less enthused by a Roche, I guess I would say, from everything I've read and from everything I've heard. But talk about another player you have down here, Joe Tryon from Washington. This is another player who Nick's actually had a chance to dive deep into the film of. So I want to hear what you think versus what I've heard from him as well. All right. I'm I'm going to be really curious because I'm actually kind of against the consensus here on him. He's one of the guys I kind of want to go back and watch to see if I missed anything because I was not a fan of um, Joe Tryon. It was actually pretty weird. I went and watched him and I just felt like he has active hands, but they're not very intentional, which is kind of my biggest one of my bigger knocks on him. Like he'd be swinging moves out, but sometimes he'd just be hitting air, which really bugged me as just watching a pass rusher. Um, He looked like a good athlete, but I didn't see anything outstanding. Like his pro day was really good. But overall, I thought he was just like a good athlete, good lateral agility. He was a pretty good two gapper with a good motor and he was a solid hand fighter. But like just inconsistent play overall, I found some plays that looked like he took plays off or something. Um, plays plays too high, very consistently. I didn't think he played very with very well leverage. Um, he didn't show off great bend in my eyes. Not a lot of great flexibility. And then just yeah, just overall, I just thought he was like he's decent. He's a decent player, decent edge, but I did not see this like high level edge people were talking about. He's got a really good frame, which I'll give him that. But overall, I just he was very inconsistent with his play, and I just didn't see this high-level player people were talking about. Like you say, you see a Jason Oway with his insane movement, the insane way he moves, how athletic he is, and that like pops off the tape. With Joe Tryon, people were saying like this guy's a good athlete, he's got a bunch of tools, and I'm like those tools didn't pop off the tape to me. I think that's a fair assessment, and I think you're spot on when it, in terms of his center of gravity, it really needs to be lowered, and it kind of works against him as a run defender as well, which is something that Patrick Graham is going to definitely put a precedent on with those edge rushers and base personnel. He's going to want them to be able to set the edge to spill everything outside. So to those force defenders and the secondary force defenders, I think what I saw, I saw somebody who did have solid quickness, solid to good quickness off the line of scrimmage. I didn't see elite athletic abilities, definitely not a Jason Owa or anything like that. 
but I, I thought I saw somebody who had some solid athletic traits on tape, but I don't think anything you said was really unfair about the kid. And I haven't really heard, I've heard him maybe with once or twice in mock drafts be mocked in the first round. But other than that, I see him more as a late date or late round two, early round three type of selection by the consensus on draft Twitter and things like that. Yeah, I have him as a day three guy. I'm pretty sure I gave him might've been, might've been, maybe I was being just a bit harsh because I was seeing um, where people were mocking, but I gave him like an early sixth, fifth round grade just because I didn't see this. I saw like a good player with like a lip with kind of a limited ceiling, just because you said like solid burst. Like, yeah, it's, and I saw I had this conversation with somebody earlier, but it's like a solid burst in college, right? That immediately downgrades to like like just average burst in yeah. the NFL. So I think that like I saw this player like, yeah, he could be pretty decent in the NFL, but it just really I really struggled to see this high upside player. And maybe that's something I'm missing. That's why I kind of want to go back and rewatch him. But um just overall, I just really saw like, oh, he could be a solid, decent player in the NFL, but I didn't see this high upside people were talking about. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Zach. We can't let you escape this without talking a little interior defensive line with us because, as we all know, it's Dave Gettleman and the Giants just lost Dalvin Tomlinson in free agency. And, yes, they signed Danny Shelton, but they still may be interested in some of these interior defensive linemen. So you want to give us some interior defensive line names that may be around in on day three that may interest you for the New York Giants? Oh, yeah, definitely. I actually had a lot of fun watching these guys. I've recently found this love for these big zero or one tech nose tackles that I get really enjoyed watching. So one guy I'm going to bring up is Tyler Shelvin guy. I surprisingly really love to watch the tape of um, just overall really big bear, not movable at all. If you want to move this guy, you're going to need at least two guys to do it when he's on his game. So immovable at times he moves pretty well for a size. Actually, I think he ran like a five two something at like 343 pounds. So I'm, I mean, that's, pretty good for his size overall um he can he's really great technique as a zero tech guy as a nose tackle strong and violent versus the run he flashes power versus the pass but i'm going to get into his like inconsistent there in a second he shows lateral quicks and he eats up blocks so if you want a nose tackle that just eats blocks up he's your guy for sure so the negatives just overall he's gonna have a limited nfl role because he does not show a ton of pass rushing chops he doesn't really hand fight when he's rushing the passer he showcases like power at times to push the pocket, but he rarely does. And just overall effort can be lacking. It might be a conditioning issue or something like that. Very reliant on power in his game and his feet die at times, especially rushing the passer. But overall, I thought like if I can get the best this guy can give 30 to 35 snaps a game, he's hundred percent worth a, like a fifth round pick hundred percent just because if he can put, give his best 30 to 35 snaps you were getting one of the better nose tackles in this draft period so he's a guy i really really enjoyed i do have concerns i've heard i'm not one to speak on this so i'm actually not going to bring it up but like i've heard some concerns with him about off the field but i don't know anything about it so disregard it or regard it if you want i didn't account that into my grade i gave him like a late fourth because i really really loved the upside that this kid can bring if he's playing at his best. Now the question is, will he play at his best due to either conditioning stuff or effort on the field, or just the fact that he's not a very good pass rusher right now? If he can get to the best level, Zach, he's the type of player that will be in the NFL for like nine years, quietly a productive on like good football teams. Cause he's always going to have a role. You're not going to expect this type of player to come in on third down and rush the passer. But 
on those early down situations, he can come in and he can two gap for you. He can just eat space and totally command the a gap. So if he's, if his headset and everything like that, I could see Tyler Shelvin just being one of those guys who's just around the league and kind of going from team to team. Kind of see a lot of those type of guys. The Giants just signed one of those. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shelvin. Yeah. Tyler yeah. Shelvin, LSU. That's what we're talking about here. And I think it's interesting because you brought up the off field stuff. I think another concern, which you brought up is that, apparently his weight reportedly ballooned to like 375 at one point last year. So yeah. we'll see what kind of player I'm, this is the type of player I'm sure teams really want to get a chance to interview and talk with behind the scenes to see how much they actually love the game of football and what they plan to do at the next level. But I, I agree with you. I mean, there's been a lot of buzz about him as potentially, you know, you're getting maybe like a quality starter for five to 10 years and you're not going to have to, I mean, someone like this is not going to go before day. in my opinion, has no chance to go before day three, the way the NFL's been moving. I remember a couple years ago, the kid out of um, Baylor, I believe it was, or one of those Big 12 schools, Billings, the, the nose yeah. tackle one thought was going to go in round one. He goes, he ends up going to the Bengals in round four or five there. He actually didn't work out, but, you know, there's examples of these nose tackles sliding. It's like center. I think, like, ultimately people kind of overrate where they're going to go in the draft. And so I, I, who else from that kind of group? It doesn't have to be just the zero one tech, maybe even just like the three tech types, because the Giants, I think, are going to honestly, if they see a an interior guy they love, they're not going to hesitate to take him because they believe strongly in a rotation there. And so who oh, else do you see kind of from those interior groups that you believe um, can can kind of maybe step in and potentially eventually replace B.J. Hill, who's going to be a free agent next year for the Giants? Oh, definitely. So um, a three-tech that I really like, and I know all about Dave, Dave Gettleman. He used to be the Panthers GM. I'm a Panthers fan myself, so yeah, I'm well aware of how much he loves his interior offensive uh, defensive lineman. But um, – J2 Fele from USC is another guy I really like in this draft class. Um, I need to go back and rewatch him, regrade him, because I was young and dumb when I first watched him, and I've heard a lot over this um, over this draft cycle myself. But when I watched him, I was really blown away. He's a really good athlete. I think he can work a lot on his hands as a pass rusher, but he shows promise there as a pass rusher. And then overall, just he's very good against the run. I really loved his technique against the run. Thought he was sound. And overall, just a very good player. It's been a while since I watched him, so let me pull up my notes really quick while I talk about another guy that I watched. Um, Kiris Tonga from BYU is a 0-1 tech that I really liked from the tape I saw. Just destroys blocks constantly. Just He's actually a pretty good mover. I thought his center of gravity could get a little high at times, and I think that hurt him a little bit against teams like Navy, who consistently play super low. But overall, just a really fun player. I didn't get to finish his eval because I don't have a lot of BYU defensive tape, which is kind of surprisingly tough to find considering how good they were this past year. And usually when teams are good, you can find a lot of their tape. But this time I really couldn't. So give me just one second while I pull up J2 Fele's notes. There they are. So like I said, great motor. I thought he was a really good athlete. Consist I thought he consistently affected the QB despite not having a ton of pass rush moves. Um Really good in one-on-one -on -one situations against the run. I thought his his um, technique against two def two offensive linemen on double teams and stuff like that could use a little bit of work, but he wasn't a great finisher and he played with a narrow base as well, which could hurt. Which is probably what's hurting him on those double teams. But I mean, overall, just a very good player and Tufele, just really great redirecting directions, moving side to side, and was a really fun player to watch and one I'm excited to see in the NFL. I don't know if he'll make it to day to day three. I think he will just because he opted out and. Didn't have a chance to show, and a lot of guys really picked up their game for this this class. But very good player, and I'm excited to see where he ends up. No doubt. So that's Jay Tufele from USC. We got Tyler Shelvin from LSU. Let's let's take a break from the IDLs now and move to another position that I think 
the Giants showed a lot more interest in than a lot of people expected this free agency, and that's tight end. They were rumored to be in the mix to sign Hunter Henry before he went to the Patriots on a big deal. They ultimately ended up signing Kyle Rudolph. Are there any traditional Y tight ends that you see in this class? Because I think that's what the Giants are ultimately looking for in this Jason Garrett offense. More Ys, more guys they can use in different ways that you think could fit the Giants on day three of this draft. The two of them that I really thought that day three guys that I know Hunter Long, he's a guy I'm just getting into. I haven't finished his eval yet, but um, overall, really natural pass catcher, which you like to see. I think he's a decent route runner. Nothing super special. I think he's a pretty decent athlete, like maybe right or right slightly above that average um, level of athlete that you like to see from your tight ends. Um, but like I said, very solid hands. He's a pretty good run blocker. I wouldn't say he's like outstanding or anything but he does his job which is what you want i heard once before i don't remember who said it but you want your tight ends to lose slowly when they're run blocking right and he does a very good job of that you don't need a guy bulldozing people and stuff like that like you if you see it you want it but if he's not it's okay as long as he loses slowly and i think hunter long does a good job of that so hunter long from boston college i don't think i said where he was from um very good prospect i think he'll go in round four round five maybe because his tight end class is not very good outside of Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. As usual. So, yeah, it's a tough position to be good at because you're asked to do so many things. So if you're really good at blocker, you're usually moved inside and asked to get better. If you're a really good receiver, you're asked to get thinner, if move outside. So it's really tough to find those guys that are really good at both. And that's why it's a really tough position, in my opinion, to really find guys at. But like yeah. I said, Hunter Long, Boston College. He's pretty good at both. I don't think he's anything out of this world. I don't think he's going to come in and just immediately produce. But I think he's if, it, if you're looking for a tight end in this draft, he's probably a guy you want to take a look at at day four, day five. Another guy that um, I liked quite a, liked, a, liked a little bit, I don't think he's anything super special, is Tommy Trimble from um, Notre Dame. Didn't get a ton of opportunities in that offense because they have a really, really good freshman coming in. Um, that's going to be very much talked about over the next two years. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but when he watches tape, he just pops. But Tommy Trimble, actually surprisingly a pretty good athlete. I think that he's going to need some work just in the pass catching room because he wasn't asked to do a lot of that. But he did show some promise as a route runner and with his hands. there. I remember watching a game live, and there was a drop. When I went back and watched the tape, not a ton of drops on his film. And overall, just Pretty fun guy, great blocker. That's the thing you're drafting him for. If you want Tommy Trimble, you're drafting a great blocker and a guy that'll probably play some special teams as well. So that's why I think he'll probably be like a fifth or sixth round guy. But overall, just a prospect as a guy that's going to be a locker room guy, possibly um, blocker, special teams, fill up the end of the roster kind of guy that you draft late in the draft. Nice. All right. We're going to wrap up the position groups there. But before we let you go, Zach, and thanks so much for joining us. We're going to give you one last chance to shout out where to follow them. But before we do that, I do want to get your guys in this class, the guys you feel are most underrated by consensus so far, as many or as little as you feel that that you would consider your guys. Name the player, the position, and the school. All right. So we got Ambry Thomas, cornerback. Um, Where'd he go? Michigan. That's one of the guys I really like. Um, let's see. You got to put me on the spot. So now I'm like super nervous. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> if you don't have any guys and that's, that's fine. These would be no, guys that okay. stand out to you. Um, like I, we brought up Drew Dahlman, Stanford center that I really liked wide receiver. I mean, I know it's really simple, but Waddle, Alabama, really great player. 
Um, let's see who's some other defensive back safety wide receiver one over chase probably just because of how I value the position and how I look at it. I think I have Waddle one Smith two and chase three. I have some concerns about concerns about chase personally with how he handles press at the line of scrimmage. But if you have him one, two, he's also a very good player. That's perfectly fine. This wide receiver class is really good overall, but, um, Elijah Molden defensive back, um, Washington, very good player. He's a guy, if you're looking for a multiple defensive back, that's a guy you draft. And then um, Trevon Morig from safety from TCU is another guy that I really, really enjoyed his tape, and he's fantastic. Yeah, everybody loves Morig. I haven't, we haven't, I haven't really studied him much, and I don't think Nick has either because the Giants are just so set at safety. We haven't oh, yeah. really taken the time to do anything there. I mean, even corners, it's tough right now for the for us to go deep on because mm-hmm. after the Giants make that big investment in Dory Jackson and with yeah. James Bradbury and Darnay Holmes, it just seems unlikely there too. But you never know. At either position, they could feel values there and they could take them, especially on day three. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us, Zach. This was awesome. Why don't you tell the fans one more time where they can follow your work and where they can find you? If you're really thirsting for some random all 22 coverage of the guys I watch, it's not people very are. organized. Let me tell you Zach. You say that in jest, but I'm telling you, the people who listen to this podcast are thirsting for that. They're like us. <laughs> Literally, they're like you. They're all 22 addicts. So, yeah, you can find me at all 22 underscore addict on Twitter. I'll be putting articles up at Crocker Reports on Twitter. Um, and then also you can find um, my podcast that I do with a buddy of mine, Seth Steer at um what is the at atb underscore network or you can find it under at hb network on what is it called on any of your podcast listing places it's fun we just have fun talking about guys so sounds good to me thanks for joining us zach have a great rest of your night and we'll talk to you soon man see you zach absolutely thank you guys